Therefore they gathered them up and twelve, filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. And notice, then those men, these disciples, we know that from verse 11, when they had seen the sign or the miracle that Jesus did, this is truly the prophet which was to come into the world. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The way Jesus provided bread for the multitude in the open air reminded those men of how God worked through Moses to feed Israel with manna in the wilderness. Moses predicted the coming of the prophet they expected in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, where he said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. If the coming prophet was to be like Moses, it made sense that he would also feed the people miraculously as Moses did. Jesus is that prophet. Now here's Pastor Rob. Not a problem at all. But notice the order here. He gave thanks and he looked to heaven. Then he distributed to his disciples and then they gave to the multitudes. Notice that the Lord could have just made the bread and the fish miraculously appear on the laps of everyone who were there. But he used the disciples to distribute the food in the distributing, in the service, in the doing of it where the miracle was performed. And he uses people. He could have done it without us. It had been more efficient, actually. He could have just made it appear. Oh, wow, fish and chips. Right on your lap, Arthur Treacher's. Remember them? He could have done that, but he used you and I. He used his disciples, and he still wants to use you. And notice that you don't hear the young man whose loaves and fish these were complaining, hey, that was mine, give it back. You know what? <laughs> this man, this young man, would have as much as he needed by giving up what he had. That was an offer. That was an act of sacrifice, wasn't it? That was worship for the kid because this is five loaves and two fishes. That's a lot. He probably was on his way home to take it to his family or use it that night for his own family. Maybe he had been fishing. Maybe he was sent to get the bread. We don't really know, but here he is, and he's going to give it. He's like, it's yours, and you don't hear him complaining and stomping his foot, having a tantrum. But he had everything he needed. I'm sure the Lord made sure that he had plenty to do whatever he needed to do with it. There's an old adage that says, Happiness is not necessarily getting what you want, but wanting what you have. I love that. Because I don't necessarily need more things, but to enjoy what I have and to want to hang on to that, what I have already been given, and to be thankful for that, there's a secret in that. 
because I'm not constantly grasping for the the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Because you know as well as I do, once you buy the next thing, it looks all good at first, and then it's in the yard sale two years down the road for 50 cents. Right? God multiplied what was on hand to fulfill the need. Do you believe that God can do this today in your life? He can. Have you been desperate enough in a straight to call the to call on the Lord in a situation like that? Because we know that we are not immune. None of us are immune to tough times and difficult circumstances, but notice they had five loaves and two fish. Worship the Lord with what you have and be content and let him do what he wants. In 1 Kings chapter 17, it speaks of Elijah after he had pronounced a drought upon Israel. And it says in verse 8 of chapter 17, let me just read it to you. It says that the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which is in the northern part of Israel, uh, up near Lebanon, modern day Lebanon. Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. And so he arose. He went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a window, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. Now remember, there's a drought in the land. So she's got to take water for her and her son, which we're going to find out, and give it to this complete stranger. And at this point, she realizes there's something different about this stranger. It's not just a stranger passing through. He says, please bring, uh, bring me, and she, she was going to, going to get it, and he called her and he said, oh, by the way, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Are you kidding? You, you not only want water, but you want bread as well? Do you want some oil for your feet too? That could have been her attitude. But there was something about Elijah. She said, as the Lord your God lives, I do, not, I, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in, prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. In other words, that's all we've got. We're done after this. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Are you selfish? You've got to be kidding me. What a selfish guy. Make me a cake first, and then bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, and here is the confidence. The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. God can take what she has. And didn't she do it as an act of worship? She did. Because she was preferring somebody else instead of her own self. Practically speaking, this was a death sentence for her. And boy, a Christian with the wrong heart would look at that. And I am sure God put that upon the heart of Elijah to do that. And I don't think it was easy for Elijah. He knew what she was thinking. And to say, bring me one first. Bring me the water and the, and the cake first, the bread, and then you'll have enough for yourself. To be able to say something like that, that takes chutzpah, doesn't it? It takes the word of the Lord. That's what it took. 
It took that for Elijah. He had to believe that. We don't have time, but go check Second um, Kings. Actually, I'll, I will read it. Second Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 42. This is in the life of Elijah, who was Elijah's successor. It says, A man came from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley and newly ripened grain in his knapsack. And he said, Give it to the people that they may eat. But his servants said, What shall this be set before a hundred men? And he said, Give it to the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left over. Does that sound familiar? Old Testament, now revealed in the New Testament. Because Jesus is a greater prophet than any of them. A greater than Moses is here. A greater than Elijah or Elisha is here. He is the God of all creation. And they ate according to the word of the Lord. See, the Lord will never be indebted to us but we will be forever indebted to him. He will, we, the Lord will never be indebted to us, but we will forever be indebted to him. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, he says to the children of Israel. But you say, and what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, God says. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, God says. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me this Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out, on, uh, pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And that's really what this widow did. She gave, she gave it to him. She gave it. Remember the woman who, the poor woman who had just a couple of mites and she threw it in and all these other wealthy cats are walking by with their silk shirts and, you know, big medallions on their neck and throwing in a, you know, $100 bill. <laughs> and Jesus says that, that woman... Put in more than all of them. Because they've got plenty more of that. That's just not even, that's chump change. They threw it into the coffer, and this woman had only what she had for that day. She gave more than all of them. See, God is not interested in taking everything from you, but is my heart in a, in a place where I'm willing to give? Really, that's a measure of our worship, isn't it? We see this, this whole thing of Jesus providing in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus. Remember, the whole congregation of the children of Israel, they complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we may have died and that by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we, when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness. You're going to kill us and this whole assembly with hunger. And then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and give a, gather a certain quota every day that I may test them. There it is again. To see what the quality is of their faith. Is God doing that just to be me? No, he's doing it for their benefit. They need to learn this before they get into the promised land. In fact, I think, I believe, and I think it's biblical, it is biblical, uh, that the reason they spent so long of a time in the desert was to get them to the place, to prepare them for the promised land. So that they could handle what God had given to them. Did they learn the lesson completely, 100%? No, but it was enough to where God says, okay, I can work with this. <laughs> I can work with this mess. Lord said to Moses, behold, I'll rain uh, bread from heaven. The people shall go out and gather a certain quota that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Then it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. 
So back in verse 12 in our text, it says, So when they were filled, when Jesus has distributed all of this to everyone, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. And why did Jesus do this? Did he do it just to brag about what he did? No, it was a, 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 an indicator, a proof of what had happened. When you have five loaves and two fishes, and then afterwards you gather up fragments after everybody has eaten to the full, and there's 12 baskets full. I would say a pretty notable miracle had happened. In fact, it says in another gospel that he told one of his disciples to go out and see what they had. Go out and see what's out there. Because I want to make sure that when this is all over with, God is going to get the glory for this. And he did. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. And notice, then those men, these disciples, we know that from verse 11, when they had seen the sign or the miracle that Jesus did, this is truly the prophet which was to come into the world. And we know that there were seven signs or miracles, and we're actually on number four uh, right now, the feeding of the 5,000. And this was the fourth sign. But notice, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. And this prophet that he's referring to is the prophet that is mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 18. It says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear according to all you desired of the Lord your God and Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. That was the, 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 the effulgence. There's a funny word. I love it. Can I say it again? The effulgence. Is, I don't even know if it's right, but it sounds good. Um, the effulgence of God, the, the, the glory of God, the glory of God on that mountain just caused them to shake. I wish, I pray that God would give us a great awe for him again. That we wouldn't see him as the old man upstairs. Yeah, I spent some time with the man upstairs. Really? A little reverence might suit us better to remember who it is that we're speaking who it is that saved us and is saving us. The one who spoke it all. The one who deserves all of our worship, all of our praise, all of our adoration. Do you love him? I don't know, do you? Do you love him? Yes. Let's say yes. Yes. <laughs> we do. We love him. We love him. And Moses not only fed the people, right? God fed them through the hand of Moses, but, God, but Moses also delivered them out of the Egyptian army, right? And it seems that the people here now, as we look at this verse here, it says that, that, that when they had seen that Jesus, when they seen what Jesus did, they said, this truly is the prophet who is to come into the world. And so they're probably sizing Jesus up to Moses. And they're thinking, well, he's fed us just like Moses. Is he going to deliver us from the, from the yoke of the Romans like Moses did to the Egyptians? And there was already this kind of feeling in the air. In fact, it tells us, which we're not going to get into uh, verse 15 and, and the rest of uh, verse 21, but it says that, that there came a point in verse 15 where it says that they were about to make him king because he fed them. He healed them. They're like, this is the guy we want in office because he did those things. We'd probably do the same thing. If he feeds my stomach, if he provides for me, I'm going to vote for him. 
But there was more to that, that Jesus didn't allow them to make him king at that time, even though he was and is the great king of kings. It's interesting interesting that this miracle of the bread and the fish and the miracle that we saw in chapter 2 of turning the water into the wine, it it foreshadows what? The Lord's Supper, which is what we're going to take now. If Sarah could come on up. We're going to take, you know, if you think of this, and next week, I won't be here. We're going to be in the Adirondacks next Sunday. But Pastor Richard will be sharing with us next Sunday morning. But this idea of the turning the water into wine and Jesus, now the bread of life, I don't think it was any coincidence that this happened. And as we take communion, we remember what Jesus did. We remember the Lord's death until he comes. And we do this in remembrance of him. And so as Sarah leads us in a song of worship, feel free to come on up and grab one of these fancy, hermetically sealed jobs and bring it back to your seat and we'll take it together. Amen. Father, we just uh, we take this bread and cup, Lord, knowing what it signifies, Lord, your body broken for us. And Lord, the cup as we as we take it as well, Father, mindful of what it represents, the very blood of God shed in our place instead of our own, Lord, shed for for the sins of of the world for man. And so, Lord, we take this in remembrance of you. Lord, how could we forget? We do it in remembrance, and we do this to remember your death and what it accomplished on the cross until you come again for us. And we take it with thanksgiving, Lord, knowing that as we take this into ourselves, we are just acknowledging the the Spirit of God who has indwelt us deep in our hearts. The deepest part of us, Lord, we acknowledge that this morning. And we pray for anyone here, God, that if they are not one of your children, that today would be the day that they would surrender their lives, Lord, being translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. May you have your way with us, Lord, how we thank you for these tokens and what they represent. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's partake. You know, folks, there's coming a day when Jesus said he wouldn't drink of the vine again until he drinks it anew in the kingdom with us. Can you imagine that day? When we are with him and he raises that chalice and we're going to recognize for the first time again, perhaps, what he has done and and for us all to partake together. You know, there in the Middle East, and even in here in, in, in the West, there is very few things that we can do that express intimacy than having a meal with somebody. 
In the, in the Middle East, it's even more intimate. But I love that idea, you know, because when you eat with somebody, you're, you're investing in them. And, and that's really what that communion was that night before Jesus was arrested and then finally crucified. It was a, a communion. They were communing together, and Jesus was sharing what he was going to do. And the disciples even then didn't quite understand it. But even as these people that we're reading about, you know, we find out in the 26th verse that Jesus told them later on, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. I love that. Don't you? And, um, and so there's so much more than just the physical. We know it's the spiritual. We've got a short time on this earth, folks. Just a short time, but then eternity. And how long is eternity? It never ends. That really brings a sobriety to my life, doesn't it, for yours as well? Because if I can, if I can look at my life and put it within a time frame, but I can't do that with eternity... How important is it that I live this small little section? I live it rightly. I live it with purpose. I live it with a desire to please our king, to please your king and my king, to live lives that are holy and acceptable. And when we blow it, because we will, we confess it and we're washed in the blood of Jesus. Don't be discouraged. There are many things to be discouraged about, isn't there? But to know that he, Jesus, is the good shepherd. He will make us to lie down. And I would even encourage you to get carried away with that thought, even as you are going through a most stressful situation, when your life seems to be coming unhinged, and you're feeling washed up, and you're feeling wounded, and you're feeling scared and worried. Those are the best times to read Psalm 23 again, and read this passage again, and say, Lord, you're the one who takes care of me. I can trust you. Help me to thrive on that. Help me to abide in that. Help me to abide in it that I don't get discouraged and carried away. Amen? Let's stand and give him thanks. Hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this passage. We thank you, Lord, that you are the great shepherd, that you are the bread which came down from heaven. Lord, that you're everything. You're our sustainer. God, you're the one who empowers us. You're the one who knows history because history belongs to you. It's your story. It's his story. It's the story of God. And Lord, we're thankful that we're part of it. And thankful that we can be a part of it, Lord, knowing that our names have been written in the Lamb's book of life and no one, nothing in heaven or on earth beneath can pluck us out of your hand. Our assurance of salvation is so great because it's founded and it's secured by the blood of Jesus Christ. Is there any other thing that's greater? We know that there is not. And so, Lord, we give you glory and honor and thanks this morning and pray that, Lord, you'd encourage our hearts this week and get our eyes As we sang earlier, turn your eyes upon Jesus.
That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.